Hello and welcome to the Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with the indicast.com. My name is Abhishek and uh, today's cover story puts a hardy veteran entrepreneur on the cover. The man quit his job back in 1990 to start an internet startup when it wasn't very fashionable to do so. He ended up building arguably India's most popular job site nokri.com and since then Sanjeev Dikshandani has worn many hats. He invests in new ventures, mentors, youngsters uh, to help grow their startups. He's also uh, engaged in giving a little something back to the society. To talk about some of this on the call with me is Forbes India's cover story author Naini Thakur. Hi Naini, thanks for joining in. Thank you so much Abhishek. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Before we talk about the man and his exploits, uh, uh, you know, did you get a chance to pick his brain on how his family or friends reacted when he decided 18 months into his job after having passed out from I am Ahmedabad of all institutes he said he wanted to start something on his own and how was the experience back then yeah i <laughs> Uh, thanks for pointing that out unfortunately i didn't get a chance to ask him that now that you've told me i feel like i should go back to him and ask him that he just i mean decided and kind of went with it because like he mentions uh, a couple of times he just wanted to be an entrepreneur like he was extremely keen to be an entrepreneur no matter and he and he also says this that he didn't you know have a big idea or a vision he just didn't want to work you know in the corporate field anymore he did start small didn't he and he talks about how this is what he says about why some companies succeed or why is it that an idea takes shape and can be blown and scaled up he says successful businesses are built on deep consumer insights and so it's a good line but uh, it also uh, was quite relevant in his first big foray nokri wasn't it at the time dot com came much later Yes he mentions that when he was working as a product executive for uh, HMM he picked up these insights where he says that there was this large room um, you know like a break room of sorts where his, a lot of his colleagues would would be would happen to be there and you know every time a business india copy came in uh, people would start reading it from behind you know not um, start from the beginning like one would expect and he found that quite odd and very soon he realized that people were actually looking at job ads and they were not Not interested in reading articles at all. There were, you know, pages and pages filled with job ads, and they were actually discussing. He realized that, you know, as as a you know sort of an IIM or a good business school graduate, you know, FMCG and a company like HMM were one of the top picks for a candidate like that back in those days. He he found that very odd that I mean you have the best job that you possibly could and why are you still interested in you know looking at other jobs, right? And and the second insight as he as he calls that was that every single time, you know, in this hall, he would hear a lot of his colleagues getting a different job offers from different companies, which obviously meant that right. what was appearing in print was just the tip of the iceberg and uh, clearly there were a lot of jobs out there which people didn't know about uh, so back then he had an idea to you know why not build a database of jobs and uh, you know right. keep it live and updated unfortunately obviously you know he shared that idea later when he came across the the www as he calls it i mean he it, it kind of popped back and you know within 10 minutes uh, he says that he decided to uh, set up a website and he didn't make a big deal out of it in that he said he he had done 20 small things by then this was just the 21st small thing because one didn't know how big uh, where where this would take him and i think that kind of also shows you know how resilient and persistent he was as as an entrepreneur 
you know because for someone who who tried one thing didn't work out you'd give up you know and and he could very well given the fact that he he was in uh, iim ahmedabad graduate he could have gone back to you know the corporate world picked up whatever he wanted to but at the same time he was working part time earning pocket money by teaching mba classes and and cat prep classes and things like that so clearly he knew that he wanted to be an entrepreneur so, so that uh, sort of zeal that he had i think is what led to him thinking in his head that oh yeah well you know this is just another small thing but obviously all his hard work kind of eventually worked out 7 years later for him the ones who are in their 20s or early 30s listening to this podcast you know how was the venture capitalism uh, capitalist scene as well as angel investing scene when uh, mr dikshandani started this back then unlike you know how things are right now obviously things were a lot difficult because he mentions there was no concept of of vcs back then right uh, i mean for him to kind of even get a 30000 rupee overdraft limit from a nationalized bank you know in 1992 Two took him six months right. because banks don't lend money to companies that didn't have any collateral. Now, if if you know, for instance, you're a services company, which is you know the space he was in, there was no chance he was going to get money, especially from banks. And like he says, he came from a pretty humble background, you know, with his father being a retired government doctor and his mother being a homemaker. He literally didn't have any money, and which is why he, from the very beginning, he's always had a very customer advance kind of a concept where he. He would entirely depend on that that you know you're you're taking the money before and then providing your services. It was very very difficult, and now I think in today's day and age, when you look at it, you know VCs are very very easy to to get. I mean, every other day we as journalists get press releases, you know, of funding being given and things like that. I'm not saying that you know it's any easier now, but the point is that you know people have that option now, and back then they didn't. So you know when I spoke to Hitesh. now the md and ceo of infoedge he also mentioned this that you know for us we never wanted or we never set out to build a unicorn because you know there was no concept like that so for us that 7.3 crores that we took from icici venture was it and we had to become profitable because we kind of didn't have an option you know there weren't too many vcs available back then and and i think the dot com crash had just happened too so they were forced to come up with a revenue model which was profitable was that itself a little ahead of its times in that they called the market right they didn't see it as a newspaper ad that a few other competitors saw it as where they were charging as i read from your story 3500 rupees per listing that's a bomb uh, at that age at that time whereas mr bichandani he charged us 350 rupees per listing with a you know capex model of a flat fee of 6000 as an annual subscription so those little things add up then don't they yeah absolutely and i think in you know he realized again going back to you know the the customer insights that he got that um his focus was not you know earning money out of clients at that point it was to aggregate jobs right because that was the idea so the more jobs that you put out there the more traffic is going to visit your website and hence you can get more clients and earn money out of that so that was the revenue model that they were they were looking at then and i think in in the very beginning uh, they weren't even charging companies any money they were literally really picking up ads from newspapers and magazines like he mentions they would get 29 newspapers and magazines from across the country and you know just pick up those ads and put them up on on the website so that was the entire idea to aggregate as many jobs you know as possible so that people come and visit the website that must have been some work uh, to be scouring through newspapers <laughs> and then putting in data in structured format 
in databases that can easily retrieve uh, what you need in quick time. Now, as as a second, yeah. uh, in his second avatar as an investor, what is his philosophy? I mean, he was very honest about this, that I had no background in investing. We just had money lying around and they became quite profitable very early on, right? It was just his learnings that he kind of passed on to, you know, people who approached him. You know, people are very open and honest about approaching him. Like when I was speaking to Shailaz, who's the co-founder and CEO of Broadway, he told me that, you know, I told him very honestly that this is a product, it's not working well. And I want to, you know, shut this down. And he spent the next two hours trying to understand the product and actually made suggestions. And today, you know, that product is working very well for them. And it clearly shows that he's very willing and open to passing on his learnings uh, to the next generation. I think that's what makes him a very good investor and entrepreneur. More supportive during times when things are not happening or during downturns. And another bit that yes. caught my attention was uh, Policy Bazaar's founder. Uh, he talked about, yes. and that's where he's, uh, you know, Mr. Bixandani has put in the money as well. He says he's a risk averse person. Even in good times, he points out things that can go wrong. Often we find uh, these... Uh, outfits raising tons of money and taking big steps. Is that contrary to what generally entrepreneurs or VCs, other VCs would do? To an extent, maybe, but I also think that it's very smart of him to to be that way because you're kind of preparing yourself to, you know, whatever might go wrong in a sense, or, you know, to the risks that are out there. And, and as a, as a startup, you know, I think that's a, that's a good quality to have. It's great to take risks, you know, but very often, uh, given the fact that, you know, young entrepreneurs, they just want to keep taking risks. And I feel like sometimes to, you know, get that grounding and, you know, for someone, you know, like a mentor, like uh, Sanjeev, pointing out that there are things that you should be careful about. I think that's a good quality, definitely. In in some context, some co-founder had joked exactly. that, you know, we sometimes need adult supervision. So <laughs> these are the gray-haired uh, individuals who, who, you know, tamp down our enthusiasm at the right times and for the right reasons. You've also covered third hat that he wears is that of a philanthropist. So what is that about? Where has he, uh, yes. what are some of his beliefs and causes so I think this was one uh, difficult question for me to get, um, you know, information out of him because like I've mentioned, he doesn't like to talk about it too much at all. But there are about 20 organizations that he's worked with, including in the space of education. I mean, he's one of the many co-founders of um, the Ashoka University, which I think in itself as an institution is, is a pioneer in itself in the Indian education space. He's also one of the board members of Chintan, which is an NGO working on urban management. And he's a founding donor for uh, the 1947 Partition Archive. Now, they do some very interesting things wherein they capture... Uh, stories of partition survivors and, you know, kind of archive them. So th these are maybe just three of the many different things that he does. He's also been very, very um, involved with COVID-19 relief work. He, I mean, every, every single time when we ask him, you know, the minute you, you say philanthropy, the next question that, that goes on in your head is that, oh, well, you're a billionaire, right? So, because you have so much money. And I, when we asked him, you know, what does wealth mean to him? He, he was actually embarrassed and he said it's it's embarrassing when people discuss this with me and I always doubt do I deserve it so yeah I mean in fact I had uh, I had no idea that he was doing COVID-19 relief work um, you know until my photographer Madhu had gone to shoot him and he found some 
you know, boxes lying there and things like that. And he happened to ask him that, you know, uh, what is this? And he said that, oh yeah, you know, this is my COVID-19 relief work. I mean, he doesn't like to talk about it too much, but yeah, it definitely shows what a down-to-earth person he is. Yes. And when you probed him about if uh, uh, someone can get this wealthy without being lucky, uh, I, I mean, I love this quote. This is what he said. Look, you got to be lucky. I mean, in a sense, you got to be good, hardworking, persistent and lucky. Right? Almost, if you ask any entrepreneur, were you lucky? You say, yes, I was lucky. But I also worked hard. I also worked smart. I knew my customer. And I persisted. I have a friend, a close friend from school and college, a guy called Niren Chaudhary. He used to head uh, KFC and Yum Brands in, in India. He had called me for a talk in his company. I said I got lucky. And at the end of that talk, when he was sum- summarizing, he said, look, Sanjeev is saying you're lucky, but i tell you something about luck. And this was a profound statement. He said, look, there are many definitions of luck, but one definition is luck is about being in the right place at the right time. But if you're in enough places, enough times, for long enough, sooner or later, you'll be in the right place at the right time. So persist and try hard. Don't give up. That's quite telling given that he's put his money where his mouth is. He started something at a time when it wasn't uh, uh, sexy to start an internet startup because you would rather work for a public sector undertaking or the likes of... uh, Godrejes of the world uh, with uh, you know yeah. all respect to them because you know that's the stable job yeah definitely it's literally been quite a fabulous journey so yeah I think he managed to do everything at the right time of course he was very okay failing as well I think that's what makes him uh, Sanjeev Bikchandani on that note uh, it's time to wrap up thank you so much uh, Naini for your time on this podcast and a fabulous cover story as well yes, thank, thank you so much. so much thank you Thank you. And all you listeners, you know where to find this podcast, uh, ForbesIndia.com on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple Podcasts, or any of the applications that you use to download your content. And to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to 51818. And also look for other podcasts from uh, Forbes India. There's one called Teenpreneur, an interview series with young entrepreneurs. And we also have from the bookshelf of Forbes India, conversations about business, economics, and books. (music) 